Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. I am Rick Thomas, and this is episode 136. I was talking to my friend Chris a few weeks ago, and he asked a question that is asked seemingly all the time of me. He said, Rick, tell me what you do. What is it about your ministry? Ironically, Chris is a supporter of our ministry, and so I spent a little bit of time talking to him about what we do. And as I've been pondering his question, and probably the seven or eight times that I've been asked since then, I thought, well, it might be a good idea just to put something in a podcast format to clarify ourselves, to explain ourselves to people. It is a good question, and Of course, people want to know. Tell me the specifics of your ministry, because every ministry is unique in its own way. There are elements of an organization that makes it stand out from others. Now, these differences do not make it better. They just make it different. There is something different about us, and that's the question. What do you do? What makes you different? And where I I don't want you to go in this podcast, because it's not where I'm going in my own mind, is saying that we are better. I'm saying that we're different. People are different. There's over 7 billion people in this world, and there is no one ministry, no one church, no one individual that can serve them all. The languages are diverse. People are diverse. There's different strokes for different folks. And so we don't want to get into the comparative thing. A hundred member church is doing or can be doing a great work for God and a 5,000 member church can as well. The Presbyterians are doing a good work. The Baptists are doing a good work. There are other denominations and autonomous churches that are doing a good work. There are wonderful ministries serving God all over the world. So we're not comparing ourselves in a a self-righteous, condescending, arrogant way. But with that said, we are different, and I do want to answer that question because we are. We are unique in our own way, and every ministry is is that way. Different, but not better. And I hope that you are serving God in your unique way and that you're not uncharitably comparing yourself with other people or comparing your ministry to another ministry or your church to another church. We all have a role to play in God's kingdom work. And it's because of this diversity that we can reach so many different people. There are folks that I can reach that other ministries will not reach, and those ministries will reach people that I will never see, never touch, and that is a good thing. The truth is, if a ministry does not have a unique voice, it will not serve others well, which is why you don't want to copy anyone else. Sometimes that's a temptation I have seen with ministries is that you carbon copy other ministries, and you do it the way that they do. I talk to folks who want to blog, want to write, and that's one of the things that I tell them. One of the first things I tell them, don't write like anyone else. I mean, be grammatically correct, (laughs) but write in your, excuse me, write in your unique uh, way. You want to be yourself, working within your strengths while addressing your weaknesses. 
And so it's your voice. God is doing a specific work in you and copying somebody else and trying to be like somebody else is not wise. And so you want to use your unique gifting. You want to address your weaknesses, of course. And our ministry is uniquely me, according to how God is working in me. I'm not trying to be like anybody else. I'm not trying to be like any other ministry. Now, if I can learn from a ministry, if I can learn from an individual, I borrow brains all the time. But I run it through my filter. I run it into my interpretive grid, and it comes out like me. I can't deviate from what God is doing in my life. That's not genuine. And maybe you have felt that from other people where they're really somebody else. They are not themselves. Just be yourself. That's the way that you want to stand. In Philippians 2, Paul says this to the church at Philippi. He says, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. You work out your own salvation according to how God is working in you. And then you go and serve God the way that God has made you. Sometimes I, I hear, my students have said this in our mastermind program, I, I want to counsel like you. Well, you. You don't want to go there. You're not me, and I'm not you. I don't want to counsel like you. I want to counsel like me. Oh, I want to get better. I want to be better. I want to be a better discipler, but I don't want to be like you, and I don't want you to be like me. You be you. If you are you and I am me, we will be able to accomplish more. This is how we live out our marriage as well. And if you're married, I hope you're living out yours. I don't want Lucia to be like me. I want Lucia to be like Lucia. I want, I want her to be her unique self. And that is one plus one equals two. That makes us twice as much, twice better than who I am as an individual and who she is as an individual. Adam was ribless. He needed a rib. He didn't need another Adam. He needed a rib. Eve was a rib, and she needed Adam, and they came together, and they, they formed this dynamic team with their uniqueness. And so marriage is that way. Ministries are that way. Churches are that way. You be you. When I tag team counseling, which I have done a few times in my, my life, I'm going down a track and I'm counseling, and then the other person has a different perspective. The other counselor has a different perspective that is helpful because they're filtering things according to who they are and how they listen, how they process things. And Lucia and I do this all the time. And that's why we both can be looking at the same thing, listening to the same thing, observing the same thing, but we have two different perspectives. And so we come together and we talk about our different perspectives, and then we learn from that, and that, that is dynamic. And so our ministry stands, and, and it stands on who I am and what God is doing in my life, and we, we are not adapting our ministry to be anyone, be anyone else or to be anything else. Now, that can be good or bad. Some people like that. Some people love our ministry, and then some people don't. They run from our ministry, and that's fine. We're not here to be able to accommodate all people. But I am here to work out my salvation according to how God has worked it in me. And so from the unique person that you are, you build your ministry. 
And as you build your ministry, the first thing that you want to do is you want to establish a unique mission statement. And I would encourage you to do this. Whether you're a, you are a ministry, whether you're formalized, whether you're incorporated or not, every Christian is a ministry. Every Christian should be ministering as part of the Great Commission. We should always be thinking about and, and going, planning, strategizing, doing, taking the gospel to all the world, wherever your world may be. And so as a unique person, you build a unique mission statement. Now, we have a mission statement for this, mis- uh, for this ministry, and it's at the bottom. It's on every page of our website. It's in the footer. And here's our mission statement. It says, our mission is to help people by providing practical tools and ongoing training for effective living. Now, we just didn't pull this out of thin air. Actually, it took six months to develop this mission statement as I talked with one of our board members, David, and David, I would send him what I thought the mission statement should be, and and David knows me and knows what we're trying to do, and he'd send it back, said, maybe you need to change this, change that. I send it back. He'd send it back to me again, and we we went back and forth for a while. It was about six months that it took to be able to develop this mission statement, and the mission statement's it's like haiku in a sense. Haiku, as you know, is 17 syllables five on three lines, five, seven, and five. 17 syllables on three lines, and there are no wasted syllables. If you're going to write haiku, you can't have any wasted syllables. Every syllable needs to tell a story. And so we wanted our mission statement to be like haiku, where there are no wasted syllables. And I think that's what we have here. I don't think that we could really pull anything out of our mission statement and and it sound right afterward. And so it is as succinct as we could make it. Here it is again. Our mission is to help people by providing practical tools and ongoing training for effective living. Now, you heard the four parts there, and so let me tell you. Again, this is episode 136, the thing that distinguishes our ministry. We're not uncharitably comparing ourselves to other people. We're just saying that this is what we do, how we do, why we do the thing that makes us unique. Not better, just unique. Here are the four parts, again, to the mission statement. One, help people. Now, that's an obvious. I mean, we want to help people. Number two, by providing practical tools, help people, practical tools. We want our tools uh, to be practical. We don't want to just disseminate in- information out into cyberspace, but we want what we want it to be practical. I'll get more in- into that in a moment. Number three, ongoing training. Our mission is to help people by providing practical tools and ongoing training. The reason for ongoing training is because of progressive sanctification. You get saved, and that gets you in the house. That gets you into the family of God. You are adopted. But getting saved does not transform you into complete, mature Christ-likeness. Salvation is part of what God is doing in our lives. Now, it's a critical part, no doubt. Sins are forgiven. Eternity is secure. But there is progressive sanctification, and that's why we want to help people with practical tools, but ongoing training. Until we all see Jesus, we want the training to be ongoing. And then number four is effective living. We want our lives to be effective. We want to 
impact people for the sake of the gospel. That's the the whole point of the gospel. Now, let me give you my motive for, or, or the motive behind this mission statement. And there's probably many, well, not probably, there are many historical events in my life that would, that I could pull out and say, this is why I do what I do uniquely the way that I do it. But one of the more powerful historical moments in my life was when I was standing in an assistant pastor's office in 1989 when he said that I did not break my arm. Now, what he was talking about is that my wife had left me and with my our two children, and I had been separated for a year at that time, and the church did absolutely nothing. Now, that's a true statement. And I don't mean that harshly or bitterly. It's just, I mean, it was 30 years ago. You got to get over it after a while, right? And I think I'm, I think I'm over it. I think I'm over it in that sense that I'm not bitter toward this pastor or that church. But it is the truth that they did not help, did not counsel, did not come by, did not, did not, did not anything. And I went to him a year later, and I explained that to him, and he said that you didn't break your arm. And I, I would say that 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 was. Uh, an historical highlight in my life that motivated me to do what I do today. I mean, it drives me in the most intense way to help people. And he was right. I mean, I didn't break my arm. If I had broken my arm, he would know what to do for me. They know, people know what to do for breaking arms. They know what to do when you have surgery. They know what to do when somebody dies. I mean, churches are great at that. They get on the the meal list and they bring their meals and send their flowers and you know they do that. Almost every church knows how to do that. And this pastor was just echoing what a zillion other churches know how to do well. They know how to care for you when you have a physical problem. But the problem is I didn't break my arm as he said. I had a deeper problem a bigger problem, a more complex problem, and they didn't know what to do. Now, this is where churches fail over and over again. And we can pat ourselves on the back because we can provide meals and be Johnny on the spot with people who are going through a a punctiliar tragedy. But when it comes to long-term complex problems of the soul, we don't know how to we don't know how to do that. We don't know how to care for people. I just heard a sad story recently of someone who, where their a, a church leader basically shunned them. Not basically, they shunned them because they were not repenting fast enough. What they're saying in essence is we don't know what to do for you, so we just don't want to have anything to do with you. That drives me. I needed help. That's the first part of our mission statement. I needed practical tools, point two. I needed ongoing care, point three. I needed a better life, point four. And that is our mission statement, to help people by providing practical tools and ongoing training for effective living. This is what I was saying earlier. Your life, your ministry has to be uniquely you. Whatever you are, however God is working in you, you have to work it out according to that, who you are and what he's doing in you. You don't want to be anyone else. And by the grace of God, we're not going to be anyone else. We're going to learn, Lord willing, from thousands of other people. 
but we're going to be who we are. And this ministry and our mission statement, there's the motive for why we do. Now, the title of this uh, podcast, episode 136, and you can read the show notes. Uh, You can go to this episode and everything that I'm sharing uh, with you right now is written out, and I'm working from this format, and so if you want to read that, you can. But the title of the podcast is The Thing That Distinguishes Our Ministry. Now, the truth is there are probably, well, there are many things, not one thing. Uh, But I want to mention two things that I, I do think that makes us different. Now, one of them I've already mentioned is that we are practical. This is a practical ministry. Yesterday, I I went, uh, had dinner uh, with a couple uh, that came from Klamath Falls, Oregon. I did a conference in Klamath Falls in March of 2018, this year. I believe it was March. No disrespect to Klamath Falls, it's just that I'm old and I can't remember too much about yesterday, and, and certainly in March. But I did a conference in Klamath Falls, and I was talking to this lady, and she said the thing that she liked about the conference that she attended with me was that my teaching was not just more information, but it was practical. She said she walked away with practical ideas that she could implement into her life. I'm paraphrasing what she said, but that's basically what she said. When we did a conference in Alaska earlier this year, it was in February, and Jackie said that it was one of the best conferences that she had ever been to. She said she's been to marriage retreats, which is what that was, and they get information, but she said with this one, I can actually walk away with something that is practical. And I would say that this is one of the things that distinguishes us. Now, I'm not saying that other ministries and other people are not practical. I'm not saying that, but I'm definitely saying that our ministry is determined to be as practical as we possibly can. And it's one of the many keys that people like about our ministry. It's also the thing that people dislike the most about our ministry because we call folks to action, to do something with the information. I have a mild disdain for the producing of information and then not creating it in a practical way because one of the things that I've experienced in a whole lot of ministry is people love information. They love books, they love articles, they love this, that, and the other, and they stack knowledge upon knowledge upon knowledge upon knowledge, but it's not. It's either not practical or they don't want to be called to action. They don't want to respond to the information that they have before them. And our mentor, in fact, you read our articles, read the last 1,000 articles and at least 990 of them, I would imagine, at the bottom has a CTA, a call to action, because the desire is for the person, for the individuals who read our resources, not just to read it and sit and soak the way we can do in our churches, but to go beyond that and and make it practical in your life. And this is what Becky was saying when she attended our conference uh, in uh, Klamath Falls, Oregon. This is what Jackie was saying when she attended the marriage retreat that I did in Alaska. I can take something away here and I can implement it in my life. And so again, I'm not saying that other ministries aren't practical, but we are 
practical. We want to take the material. I do not want to just produce information out and put it out into cyberspace and not make it relevant to the life that people are living. And so practicality, uh, being able to implement it, it into your life is one of the distinguishing marks of our ministry. And by the grace of God, it will always be that way. Now, the other distinguishing mark, and, and this is the one, I mean, practical is kind of obvious. And if people would uh, read our resources, I mean, they tend to, they tell us that. I mean, I get that comment all the time, so I think that's kind of like there, and it's kind of obvious to most people that, you know, this is really practical. Now, where people will stumble is they have to come to the decision as to whether they want to implement it or not. That's really the big sticking point with, with all of us. Do we want to implement what we are, are hearing? But we want to make it so practical that it's obvious as to how to implement it you know, it's kind of like when Jesus was talking to the rich young ruler. He made it very practical. This is what you need to do. Go sell everything that you have and come follow me. And so you want to make your content practical, and then it's on them as to whether they want to implement it or not. And so I think the practical thing that, that distinguishes our ministry for what it is is obvious. But the other, one might, the other thing that I want to talk about here might not be as obvious, and that's accessibility. We are accessible. It's easy to produce content. It really is. Just write. I mean, I don't know how many WordPress blogs there are in the world today, but there are millions. You know, it's like everybody wants to be a photographer. Anybody can be a photographer. I mean, because of the smartphone, it's easy to take a picture and it's easy to start an Instagram account. It's easy to say that you're a photographer. It's easy to produce content. Anybody can produce content. Anybody can distribute content to the masses. Whether it's an article, a podcast like what you're listening to now, a booklet, a book, a webinar, a video, a short video, or doing a conference like I was talking about earlier in Klamath Falls or Alaska. Mass distribution of content is the norm, and anyone can do it. According to an IBM white paper that I read sometime last year, they said that there's been more information created in the past two years. And so I read it last year, so it'd be 2015, 2016, or 2016, 2017, possibly. Maybe that's those are the two years they were talking about. But they said there was more information created in the past two years than in the entire history of humanity. Think about that. We are a content-producing world. Now, whether it's Facebook or Twitter, and when I talk about producing content, I'm not talking about just writing books, what Gutenberg allowed us to do with the printing press. No, it's way beyond that. And because of social media, I mean, just millions of pieces of information is being churned out every day. So much so that IBM says that we produce more content in the past two years than in the entire uh, span of humanity. That is an astounding thought. Producing content and distributing it is the easy part, or the easy parts. The hard part is interacting with those who are reading your content, and this is, a, this is something that really distinguishes us.
few content producers make it their aim to engage their audience on a daily basis. Oh, they may have a comment section at the end of their articles. But I'm talking about ongoing practical engagement with their constituency. This is a non-negotiable plank in our ministry's platform that we will always be accessible to those who use our resources by the grace of God. Though it is easy to produce and distribute content, it takes a massive effort to provide those unique readers of our resources a place where they can ask their unique questions. You see, the downside to reading and listening without interacting is that your story never perfectly fits what was written or spoken. Even the Ethiopian had a hard time understanding God's word. The Ethiopian is, the Ethiopian is sitting on the chariot with Isaiah 53 opened up in his lap. And Philip asked him, do you understand what you're reading? How can I unless somebody guide me? In the economy of God, he uses the agency of mankind, of humanity, to come alongside to help us. Yeah, the Spirit will guide us into all truth. The Word of God is the canon, the rule that will uh, help us to walk in that truth. But there's an undeniable biblical fact that community is critical to help us to walk in that truth as well. And the Ethiopian is one of those individuals who needed community because he couldn't understand God's Word the way he needed to. Now, we can feel better about ourselves by producing something, but it can also be self-deceiving to think the reader or the listener understands your points the way you intended. I'll tell you that they do not. By and large, they do not. I mean, I have so many times on social media platforms where somebody will read something and miss the point. That is probably a daily occurrence. And they will say things like on Facebook, well, blah, 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 blah. And I, and I read that and I think, oh, that's not what I said anyway. That's definitely not what that meant. You're mapping your experience over what you're reading and interpreting it according to your experience, not according to the content uh, context in which it was written. It happens all the time. Plus, you have individuals who just don't know how to apply it. That is why our ministry does not make the assumption that people will always get, always understand, always be able to apply what they are reading. Therefore, we will always, by the grace of God, provide a context where people can come with their unique questions. It's an easy temptation to just public speak. Just speak, sit in the green room, don't interact with people, fly in, speak, fly out. This is one of the reasons when I do a conference that I tell the people who are leading the conference, I want you to use me up, not just for speaking, set up counseling situations. When we did our conference in Peru, I told the leader down there, I want to meet with every missionary couple, private time, talking to them. I want to interact with them. That's why I do Q&A in our speaking events, because I want to hear what the people are thinking. It's why we have our forums on our website. It's why we provide counseling on our website. We want to be in the middle of the people. This is a key point to why we do or how we do what we do. This is episode 136, the thing that distinguishes our ministry. Now, there are many things like practicality I talked about earlier, 
but accessibility. How many presidents of an organization can you have access to? Well, you have access to me. Now, it takes a lot of money to do ministry the way that we do it. It, it takes a lot of people to interact with unique individuals globally. It would be easier to produce something and move on to the next thing and to produce something else and just keep glutting cyberspace with more and more resources. But I have no plans by the grace of God to do that. We produce articles, books, videos, webinars, podcasts, visual aids, speaking events, and we give folks a way to come back to us to answer specific questions so they can work that content into their lives practically. This is a huge deal for me. Now, I'm not saying that we're better. Don't hear what I'm not saying. And I'm also saying that other organizations don't do this. Some do. But this is definitely a core tenet to why we do what we do. Now, if you have questions about applying the Word of God to your life and relationships, you may go to our public forums. There's no cost to do that. Jump on our forum. Get your username and password. If you're a supporting member, get on our private forums. And if you're willing to underwrite these efforts, if you believe in what we do, will you support us today? You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.